The lesson today is obedience to the Messiah, and we find this in Luke chapter 5. Now, Jesus is on the move, and on the heels of Jesus' Capernaum declaration that he must go to other towns, the backdrop of his ministry has turned to the seaside. Now, people are still pursuing him, but the winds of the crowds seems to have changed from an affinity towards sensationalism to an eager desire to learn even more about God and the purpose of Jesus. From the banks of the sea, he will perform another miracle, but this one will be in the context of everyday life. Jesus not only has power over demons and disease, he can also direct the creatures of the sea and, it, and the eternal trajectory of souls. Though we don't always see it, God is always and faithfully working to lead us to the abundant life. He promised us in Scripture this, yet we can often be so caught up in our daily duties and common sense that we often fail to recognize what God is up to. Thankfully, God works in and through us frequently, despite our own foolish decisions. Now, the first point of this lesson is disciples are called to act in faith. We find this in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Genesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. While in Capernaum, Jesus declared his mission to preach to other towns. Now, and he was preaching the good news of God's kingdom. So he traveled southwest from Capernaum to Genesaret, which is along the Sea of Galilee, at a section of the sea called Lake Genesaret. The crowds continued to gather around Jesus, probably having heard of his fame. Some likely arrived with good motives. Others, more likely, just out of simple curiosity. Though the text says that to hear God's word. This probably was not their primary motive, um, but in Greek, the word is a participle, literally meaning hearing or listening. The crowds were pressing upon Jesus while listening to his word. It was so crowded and chaotic that Jesus sought a solution. So he put some distance between himself and the crowd so that all the people could hear him. He saw two, po two boats, and so he got into one. Simon's boat, and ask him to put out a little from the land. Now, earlier in Luke, we saw Jesus heal Simon's mother-in-law. So he was familiar with who Simon was. We can assume Simon did exactly what he was told. Now, Jesus asked Simon to, uh, Jesus asked, and Simon simply obeyed. This was the first of two requests of Jesus in this passage. As a first request, it was a very simple one. 
Perhaps Jesus wanted to see if Simon would act in obedience on a small task first to set the stage for the larger request that Jesus would ask of him. Because Simon acted in obedience, Jesus was able to continue teaching the people. Being on the boat gave Jesus a makeshift stage, since being in the boat at a distance carried the sound of Jesus' voice to all the people. So Jesus sat down to teach. Now this was kind of a normal practice of teachers at the time. Instead of standing to signify the beginning of a talk, as we do today, the act of sitting was the cue for his audience. After his teaching with the crowd still watching, Jesus put forth a very strange request. Jesus charged Simon Peter to take his boat back out to sea to start fishing again. The first command to put out is singular, noting Jesus' command was directed toward Simon. The second command, let down, is plural, implying an involvement of the whole crew. But clearly, Jesus was putting out his second request to Simon to see if he would respond and act in kind. The directive of Christ put Simon Peter back into the deeps, not just a short skim off the shoreline. These instructions Jesus gave made no sense at all. Well, first of all, after a night of cleaning their nets, they were done fishing for the day and were closing up shop. There was a particular type of fishing practiced in ancient times that utilized three layers of nets of varying mesh width, known as trammel nets. These multi-layered nets would be used at night for maximum effectiveness. Unlike the nearly invisible nylon nets of today, the fibrous nets of ancient times could easily um, be avoided by schools of fish because they could see them. Nocturnal fishing provided the greatest yield, as the fish were unable to see the layers of the nets. Now it was daytime, the worst time for fishing with these nets. And also, Simon was a professional fisherman, and Jesus was not. Would he listen to this non-fisherman about fishing? It would take a lot of faith to do so. Next, it would take time, effort, and labor to put out into deep water and let their nets down again at this time of day, especially when the fish likely would see the nets and not be caught. It was the worst opportunity to go fishing at this time at Jesus' command. From an earthly perspective, this was really a fool's errand. Sometimes God's commands don't make sense to us. And we, but we simply need to obey. He may start with little requests, and as our faith grows, he will give us bigger responsibilities to test and grow our faith. So how did Simon Peter respond to Jesus' request? With this odd request, Jesus set the stage for Peter to follow the commands of God, even though they were costly and illogical from our human vantage point. The second point of this lesson is disciples are stirred to confess in faith. We find this in Luke chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. 
When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. Now, in response to Jesus' command to put down their nets into deeper waters, in verse 4, Simon Peter first referred to Jesus as Master, denoting submission to Jesus' authority, even amidst his doubt about this ridiculous request. Simon Peter, however, then explained the situation with a recap of their evening of fishing. They had been hard at work chasing fish to no avail, but even knowing the oddity of the request and telling Jesus so, Simon declared that he would do what Jesus wanted. That's faith in a nutshell. Simon Peter responded in trust that Jesus must have known something that he didn't. Faithful obedience places the authority and sovereignty of Christ over the proficiency and experience of the expert, even if what meets the eye is beyond our understanding. Any average fisherman would be able to recognize that this was a miracle, not mere beginner's luck. Peter and the crew knew the best time and place to catch fish, the quiet evening waters. Their livelihood and families had depended on it. Though the situation made no sense, Simon followed the instructions of Christ and they caught a great number of fish. So much so that their fishing tools were actually overwhelmed. The provision of Christ was staggering. Even after they called in reinforcements, both boats actually began to sink denoting how overwhelming was their catch of fish that they had. Jesus has dominion over all. Though Peter was the expert in the fishing department, Jesus is the ultimate provider of the fish. Being the creator and sustainer, his work may seem illogical to our finite minds, but his infinite omniscient wisdom can be trusted. In this passage, specifically Luke chapter 5, verses 3 through 11, Luke employed a literary device known as a chiastic structure to highlight the climax of the story, which is namely verses 6 and 7, where Jesus performed the miracle and the plethora of fish were caught. In this climax, we see Jesus' authority and power displayed for those who trust in him. As Simon Peter witnessed this physical miracle of nature, it opened his spiritual eyes. He understood the worthiness of the Lord and his own unworthiness in his presence. In response, Simon demonstrated his submission to the throwing his entire being at the knees of Jesus, whom he now declared as Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, there are records of theophanies, an experience in which the presence of God is revealed in a special way to a person or even persons. In all theophanies, the people rightly respond to God in physical ways. 
most often in prostration and declaration of God's amazing character. Simon's response was similar to Isaiah's response to God's presence as recorded in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. I am a man of unclean lips. Simon wasn't literally asking Jesus to go away here. Rather, he was realizing how unworthy he was to be in Jesus' presence. When presented with holiness and purity, one can only sense one's own unholiness and impurities. Simon thus acknowledged, I am a sinful man. For true repentance to occur, admission of sin is crucial. In response to seeing Jesus, the Christ, more clearly, Simon Peter was completely humbled, contrite, and even overwhelmed by his unworthiness to witness such a powerful display of God's goodness and grace. In the same way today, when someone new encounters the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, acknowledgement and repentance of sin should be one of his or her immediate responses. True faith leads to repentance and obedience and, as we will see, a total submission to Christ in our lives as we continue to follow him and share with others about the good news of Jesus Christ for salvation and hope. This miraculous act of God stopped Simon Peter in his tracks. He rightly responded to the glory of Jesus with repentance and humility. But this first act of worship was just starting, was just the starting point for following Jesus. Now, the third point of this lesson is disciples are invited to follow in faith. We find this in Luke chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Now, I want to talk about James and John first. Zebedee's sons, they were part of Jesus' inner circle, along with Peter. And being able to witness Jesus' transfiguration, the raising of Jairus' daughter, and to be with Jesus in his sorrow in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his arrest. They were close to Jesus, but they were also strong-tempered, so much so that Jesus called them sons of thunder. So after documenting Simon's response of fear and repentance in verse 8, Luke explained why Simon reacted that way, for he and all those with him were amazed. Just as Jesus' teaching amazed the people in the synagogue and his works of healing and power over demons astonished those in Capernaum. So does this miracle in nature produce astonishment. All present would have understood that the abundant catch was a supernatural one. Never had they seen such a watery harvest. Amazement, however, doesn't lead everyone to repentance. Only those with faith will continue to follow Jesus. Interestingly, while other individuals were present for this miracle, Luke's telling doesn't name them until now. Throughout this story, Luke provided a special focus on soon-to-be disciple 
Simon Peter. But here Luke mentioned two other members of this group of fishermen, two other early disciples, James and John, sons of Zebedee. Luke referred to them as partners of Simon and Peter. The nature of this partnership was likely that of a co-op of sorts. Through partnering together, then splitting the profits, they could benefit from one another's crew and equipment. These synergistic efforts would have boosted both business, both of their businesses. Thus, they were all friends and co-laborers and were amazed at Jesus' power. Although there was a pause in the storyline for Luke to mention the response of others who were there, we were reminded that Simon had just said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. Simon is is encountering Jesus' acts of power, and he realized his own sin and insufficiencies. Jesus, however, calmed the storm within Simon, Peter's soul, with these powerful words. Don't be afraid. The one who brought forth an impossible yield of fish released Simon Peter from his guilt. And though Jesus had yet to die for the sins of the world, he gave Simon a glimpse of what was to come and why there would be nothing to be afraid of. This response of Jesus follows the pattern of theophanies seen in the Old Testament, in which God provided words of comfort, a guarantee of sins forgiven. Jesus knew his mission what he would have to do to save the world from sin and eternal death and ultimately separation from God. His mission was eventually to sacrifice himself and not only die, but take on and transfer our sins onto himself that we might take on his righteousness to live with him. As the reader understands this with the full storyline in mind, Jesus' words, don't be afraid, hold even more weight. As in other recordings of Theophanies, like the one for Isaiah, God did not simply console and bring peace through his presence and work. He also commissioned. Thus, Jesus said, from now on, you will be catching people. Now, this was a whole new assignment, a new career, even a new lifestyle, a call to partner with the work of Jesus to save souls. The catcher of fish would become a fisher of men. Interestingly, the Greek word for catching connotes a capture for the purpose of life, whereas men catch fish to kill and consume them, Jesus catches people in order to rescue them from their sin-stained doom to give them new spiritual life. In the same way, Jesus powerfully and sovereignly brought forth an abundant ingathering of fish. Jesus will bring in a catch of souls as well. Those who follow him as to his disciples will all be a part of bringing in this yield. Luke then records the response to this call. They brought the boats, left all, and followed Jesus. Simon Peter was not only the only one changed by Christ. Others also took up the call to follow Jesus and become fishers of men. 
In following Jesus, they parted with everything. They left behind their boats filled with the largest catch they'd ever experienced. Transformed by Jesus, they let go of their livelihood and renounced it all to be Jesus' disciples. In this snapshot, Jesus completed his first fishing quest with his inaugural catch of souls. The reality of who Jesus is demands a response. He has clearly come to save souls and has victoriously paid for our sins and conquered the power of sin and death along the way. Those whom Jesus has saved now get to follow him in worship and service for the rest of our lives as we partner together to fulfill the Great Commission. Now I want to close this lesson with a voice from the church, um, from church history. And it's John Calvin, who lived from 1509 to 1564. And he said, Man never attains to a true self-knowledge until he has previously contemplated the face of God and come down after such contemplation to look into himself. For such is our innate pride. We always seem to ourselves just, just and upright and wise and holy until we are convinced by clear evidence of our injustice, vileness, folly, and impurity. Convinced, however, we are not. If we look to ourselves only and not to the Lord also, He being the only standard by the application of which this conviction can be produced. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and just pray. I pray, Lord, that, that this message in your word of Jesus and his training of the fishermen to be fishers of men would resonate with the people that listen to this lesson and Lord, I just pray that you would be with those who are sick and hurting today. Just touch them in the way that you know how and restore them. Raise them up. Give them the hope that can only come from you. And Lord, I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit and that you would bless each individual who listens to this lesson and that the Holy Spirit would just guide each of their steps and show them who they are should share this great gospel um, message of Jesus Christ too. For he came to save all of the world. And we have a hurting, dead world out there that needs the life that only Jesus can give. For it's in Jesus' precious and holy name that I pray. Amen.